Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. I'm your host, Father John. I'm the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. And I'm here as usual with my co-hosts, Nick and Mary. Guys, how you doing? Doing great, Pop. It's been, it's been a great day. It's been a, it's been a hard day, but it's been a great day. Yeah, huh? hard day. Good conversations. Just oh, got back day. from Green Bay. Had a great time working with uh, four of our brother priests out there. Spent some wonderful time with Bishop Ricken. Give a shout out to him, to uh, Julianne, to Father Luke. Just really enjoyed your company. Uh, great to see what God's doing in the uh, in the people of God over there, isn't it? It, it really is. And, and not to be cliche, but they really did have good cheese. <laughs> yeah, two cheese, and we played a little golf, too, and it was great. It was just an awesome time. We're uh, just giving thanks to God for... Uh, all the encouraging signs of hope that we see over there. Nick, what's our topic today? Yeah, our topic is an honest assessment of where we are in the church right now. It's, you know, really about hitting the reset button because there's, you know, as we'll see in a second here, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negative coming at us, but there's, there's tremendous reason for hope. But Father John, will you pray us into this? Yeah, as always, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we just pray for your spirit to be uh, upon us now, this conversation. We don't want anything that we're about to talk about to sound in any way critical or condemning. Lord, we just rather want to see um, what's going on in the church right now with your eyes. We want to ask for the grace of your spirit to be upon us that we might have something like a, a spiritual MRI or x-ray of where we find ourselves right now in the church and what it is that you're asking us to do in these days that you have chosen us to live in. So we ask for wisdom to see what needs to be done. We pray for courage to be able to do what you show us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. So for those of you who have been, you know, listening to our podcast for a while, we always start out by saying that we're going to talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. Why do we say that? Yeah, great question. You know, so I was thinking about what we were going to do today, and uh, even we're building some presentations that we're about to start with uh, some guys here in Detroit and Lansing and, and uh, even Seattle that we're going to be working with. And every presentation we do no matter who it is, no matter where it is, we begin by walking people through what we call our three fundamental convictions, right? This is like the soil out of which our work flows. And mm -hmm. it's where this podcast title comes from. I mean, one of our fundamental convictions is that you and I are not alive right now by chance. Um, it's not a fluke of history that we're living in these days. God created you and me for this moment in the church, in our country, in the world in which we're living. But there's two other fundamental convictions. One of those is that the world is crying. And we talk about this in lots of different ways. You know, we, uh, b before COVID, you know, we, we used to highlight the fact that uh, 2018 was the first time in 100 years that the life expectancy in our country had declined for three consecutive years. The last time that happened was the end of World War I and the Spanish flu, which suddenly everybody knows about now, which took 50 million lives. And we walked people through lots of stats. Not like we're 5% we're of the world's population, but we consume 80% of the world's opioids. The suicide stat rate you know, for children ages 10 to 14 years old, it's the second leading cause of death. We've, we've talked about these things in other podcasts. But then COVID hit, and now the world's crying even more. Yeah. You know, we just came across mm -hmm. this study uh, that the CDC reported on. I don't remember who did the study, but it talked about Within the 30 days prior to the study, 
11% of U.S. adults had seriously considered suicide. This is shocking. And 25% of those in that age group, 18 to 24, had considered taking their lives because of COVID. I mean, the so the, the world's crying. I mean, the, the unrest that we're seeing right now socially in our country is just another illustration of this. And, and that's not to say that much of what's causing unrest isn't right. Huh? The cry for dignity and justice and all that, uh, by no means. Not all right. It's not all done the right way. But uh, the world's crying. And the church is founded, we believe, by Jesus to be the means by which the cry of the world can get answered so that people can come to know, you know, who they are. I'm a beloved son or daughter of God the Father, so much so that the Father sent his only begotten son uh, as man to suffer, die, bind the strong man, liberate me from the power of sin and death, fill me with his Holy Spirit, and then send me out on mission to tell others of the good news that, that God loves, that you matter. But the challenge is that the church is crying too. And we just thought it might be particularly worth talking about today um, something like an honest assessment of where we are. Yeah. And that's why transformation is so needed, to your question, Mary. I mean, we, we need transformation um, because where we are is not good. And the church is great sometimes at just – and I'm part of the we're, – we're the church, right? Yeah, right. We are. But we're really great at just – We've somehow gotten used to what are some abysmal statistics. And we just want to, again, I pray that what we're about to do won't won't be perceived as being overly critical and certainly not condemning. I mean, not in the least. It's, it's kind of like going to the doctor and saying, hey, I don't feel all that good, but I, I think I'm okay. And the, the doctor goes, um, uh, no, no, actually, you're not. Okay. <laughs> Something's you're wrong. Son. Sick. <laughs> yeah. And then he so the first step of getting well is hearing the diagnosis. Right. That's what this right. is intended to be. So, That's right. yeah. Like, where with, are we with right? that? Nick, um, <laughs> take us away. <laughs> we're failing like crazy. I mean, that's I'm failing like crazy. Right. The collective we as a church, we're failing like cr- failing like crazy. So so here's here's some statistics. Just some of these are just going to let sink in for a second. So. Of the Catholic population of America, the self-identifying Catholics, there's 81 million. In the last 10 years, we've dropped to 72 million. We've experienced a 10% decrease in the number of Catholics in the last 10 years. Just quick pause. That means we're not growing, and in fact, we're declining. So we're supposed to be growing. The gospel's supposed to go to all the nations of the world. I've so read like, that somewhere. <laughs> Oh, just just 10%. No, it should be going up substantially. So that's one thing. Next one, baptisms. In 2005, we had 929,000 baptisms. Last year, 582,000. So it went from 929 to 582. That's about, I don't know, 45% or so decrease in the number of baptisms. That's alarming. And then this People other, are still having babies. They're still having babies. I think so. Yeah. So so these that, so baptisms and this next one combined to like kind of like a, a fam, look at the family really. So mm-hmm. baptisms. So the next one is in Catholic primary school. So Catholic grade school, right? So K through eight. Ten years ago, we had three million students in Catholic school. Right now, two point two million. That's a twenty five percent decrease. So just take the baptisms. Take the Catholic grade school students, 
the church passes through what? The family. The family. Right. The future of the church yeah. passes through. So if that's where we're at, the future of our church, the outlook, right, just on that alone is grim. Right. It's challenging. It's difficult. And, that, and that's why we're seeing, right, this increase in the number of nuns, you know, over these last couple of years, you know, those who identi identify as having no religious affiliation whatsoever. It's up to a quarter now of the population. And we should only reasonably suspect, in, unless unless we do something, mm -hmm. that that number is just going to continue to grow, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, which, and which, by the way, doesn't mean the, that those who are uh, not receiving the sacrament of baptism, not being nourished in a Catholic school, um, are somehow blank slates. Uh, they're receiving another gospel. Mm, that's a great point. That's right. right? The culture will evangelize. Right. Everybody's evangelizing. Right. Absolutely. Everybody is trying to evangelize. Wall Street's yep. trying to evangelize. Yep. Everyone you know, has Fifth a narrative. Avenue is trying to evangelize. Uh, ESPN's yep. trying to evangelize, right? Yep. Everyone has a narrative. So the reality is, too, most of our people just don't come to Mass. What I do you mean? mean? So, so Mass is <laughs> dull, <laughs> it's boring, and sometimes, you guys, it's downright scandalous. Hmm. Right? So 21% of Catholics attend weekly mass. That's just enough to break your heart. And there's an abundance of statistics we could talk about that are jarring to say the least. But all the numbers indicate we don't have a clue what it means to be Catholic. Here's an interesting statistic around confession. 2% of Catholics go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And to my women out there, we don't have statistics on men, so don't feel like we're singling you out. But 49% of Catholic women pray at most less than daily, but at least once per week, with 7% rarely or never praying, and 8% who pray a few times a year. Wow. Yeah. Now, so I'll speak into that real quick. I mean, I didn't go to confession for 10 years, so again, we're not, we're not condemning, right? But right, no. this, is, this is just a reality, you know, like... Um, most Catholics, most uh, an maybe not most, an alarming number of Catholics have never gone to confession since their first confession back in second grade. Mm -hmm. For most of them, it's it's some statistic close to like thirty percent of Catholics never go. It might even be higher than that. Can I can I ask you a question, Mary? You said sure. mass is often downright scandalous. What what do you mean by that? For those who might be kind of like, wait, 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 what's you talking about scandalous? So I get the dull and boring part. I mean, I remember a priest friend turning to me one time and he, after we were at some mass that somebody else was celebrating, we were celebrating eternity, he says, wow, if I thought that was boring and I gave my life for this, then um, <laughs> what about the people in the pews? Just He was just commenting on like how perfunctory the guy had, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. It was like no feeling, no heart, no nothing. It was like the guy had to get somewhere, I don't know. When you say scandalous, what do you mean? So, so I'm not sure what what you're looking for, but in my mind, the liturgy is, is, is beautiful. We're supposed to be, right? Right. And and it's not, the liturgy in a lot of places doesn't look beautiful. Ah, oh yeah, that's helpful. Okay, so that's helpful to hear. Yeah, I, I and I think so many people are just nodding their heads right yeah. now. Like, this is supposed to be, like, we, we say all these things over and over again in the church. It's the source and summit of our life, and the way we celebrate it Often, not always, not everywhere. Praise God if you're uh, someone who celebrates mm -hmm. in a different way or you go somewhere. But so often it, it doesn't really look like the source and summit of our life. It, it looks like. Yeah. yeah. A and you bit know, less it, I think we ourselves can be a scandal. 
Because if you're walking into a church, but it can just feel cold. And, and if I'm walking into a church for the first time, I want to be received and welcomed and, and embraced. And it can just feel very staid and dull and gosh, just not, not warm. And then yep. sometimes the liturgy is not even celebrated in a fashion that it should be celebrated. I'm thinking immediately we have, we have a reputation deserved or not. We have a reputation often as Catholics as just being kind of inhospitable. I remember we started making some transitions at a, at a parish I won't name. And a woman came up to me, we were trying to employ hospitality and just, Hey, be on the lookout for the person who doesn't look like they know where anything is here. Like you want to welcome them, greet them, more than just hand them a bulletin, you really want to befriend them right off the bat, right? And um, I remember we, as a quick anecdote, we went out to Saddleback one time, Rick Warren's church, and we had no idea where anything was. And I was with a couple friends, and somebody, there was like a young girl there, and she said, are you, are you new here? I said, yeah, we are actually. And I said, we're looking for the whatever. And she says, well, follow me, I'll take you there. And then she walked about a quarter of a mile. The campus is like the size Massive. of Disney World. <laughs> she, she didn't say, it's over there to the left. You can't miss it. She said, come with me. I'll, I'll take you there. I mean, that's hospitality, right? So anyway, we're making this change. And this woman walks up to me in the parish. She goes, what's all this talk about hospitable? I don't want anybody to greet me at the door. I want to get in, get out, and be done with it. That's right. Went, Wow. You're going to hate it here. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not what we're going to do, right? And we were just talking to a priest the other day. And he said, I don't know if my people actually want more people to come. That was shocking, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, so he's talking about yeah. people in the pew every week, and he's saying, I don't actually know if my people really want more people to come. To, I mean, to if, grow our parish. Yeah. So, I so they're content. Actually. And this is, this is the means to salvation, yeah. folks. It's my, no, it's my church, right? and that's my pew, and you're I in know, it. We can't so get out. That. Like, yeah. who are you? Why are you here? Right. And then, of course, there's like the little finance piece. Right. So thanks, guys. Leave the priest to talk about the finances. <laughs> so, you know, Catholics tend to be, um, by and large, really good at giving to needs like, hey, the roof caved in last night because we got eight inches of water and we got an emergency. Boom. People pony up. You know, the boiler blew in the school and it's, that was because it was, you know, 95 years old and we finally had to get a new one. People pony up. But Catholics, for whatever reason... And I'm always stunned by this because most of the mega churches in the country are made up of like half fallen away Catholics and they never gave in the Catholic church, but they go to the mega church and they give like crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute, you used to be here and you didn't give anything and now you go there. So obviously we're not doing something well in inviting people into the mission, right? But I, I know there was just a, a study that I came across recently that it just talks about how I think they... Uh, they did some data on about 2,000 uh, U.S. adults finding that many American Catholics rarely engage in voluntary financial giving. Big Catholic giving gap. This is from a Notre Dame report showing that American Catholics are less likely than the rest of the population to report giving 10% or more of their income as voluntary contributions and are less likely to report donating money specifically to religious causes in the past 12 months. I think the average giving is something like $10 a week. Per as household. A, per household as a Catholic. That's pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that we, we actually can, can make it means there are some people who are giving inordinate amounts of money. Mm -hmm. So long way of saying a lot of people just haven't been, we obviously have done a poor job inviting people into the mission. But wait, it gets worse. Mm. Go ahead, Mary, what's next? <laughs> 
So as you both know, we were, you know, Father and I came from a very large parish, and we had a lot of really great things happening there. But we need people to come alongside and serve in ministry. And sometimes that's like pulling teeth to recruit people to come in and serve. And part of that is they need to be invited, and they need to know their gifts. But oftentimes I was... I was hearing from like the same 10 or 15 people, you know, week after week, month after month, and bless their hearts, they've got great hearts. But we were a parish of almost, you know, 3,800 families, right? So that's that, that's a significant issue. Yeah, it's a fair number of people that you would have thought we'd, we, we'd, parishes would get more people stepping forward to say, hey, you know what, like, how can I help here, right? Yeah, this is kind of like the Ronco Studmaker commercial. Though, wait, there's more. It gets worse. Nick, what, how much? Better, how much worse does it get? Yeah, this. So, we're talking about the source and summit of the Catholic faith now. The real presence of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Okay, so, so uh, Pew Research last year found that one third of Catholics believe that the Eucharist really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And so, I mean, you think about that. Like this is this this is the heart of the church. This is this is the heartbeat. If you don't believe in that, I mean, there's just not much else to hang on yeah, to. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I, like I personally think the question was worded um, uh, not as precisely as it should yeah, have been. Exactly but right. still, I would bet that the percentage of Catholics who do believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus is uh, shockingly. Um, well, I forget what I asked. If they do believe it, I think it's shockingly low. Yeah, yeah. So, and 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 so this is this is a this is a, a devastating thing. Of course, we can do a lot about this, but it all comes back to the gospel. You know, <laughs> you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a really hard time believing the thing that looks like bread is Jesus Christ if you don't first believe in the gospel, right? Right. So fewer fewer people still um, seem to have their whole lives centered around Jesus. Yeah, and 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 part of that, I think, you know, we talk over and over in here about the charisma, the power of the gospel. I just still think that most Catholics don't really know the story. They don't know, you know, why it is that anything exists and why it is that everything is so messed up and what it is that God has done for us and His Son Jesus and what our mission is mm-hmm. right now as disciples of Jesus. We're going to do a a podcast on this, which is going to get fun because it's going to get uh, provocative at times, but that's coming up. But I just don't think people really know what, like, what's my mission as a disciple? What's our mission as a parish? And I think we also have an institution. I mean, this is a no-brainer comment. It's a duh comment. But we have almost no credibility right now in the church because of the scandals and because of the in the world right yeah and 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 even in the church i would argue that there exists a culture of contempt among clergy and the lady you know we talk a lot when we're out doing uh our work that there's this massive polarization you know in the church herself and you know we just look like the world oftentimes yeah so we've got you know the scandals and the horrors that those caused and here we are unable it seems to speak into what's happening in the culture right now because the church has lost any serious credibility mm-hmm. you're spot on with that mary mm-hmm. so in addition to that there's also this huge and this might be the most more fundamental than most of these there's a huge lack of leadership in the church right now now to be sure there's lots of great bishops lots of great priests and laymen and women working hard in the vineyard right um but there's, but overall, I mean, you you talk about the volunteer problem, like like people don't serve, people don't give, like we just don't have vision 
for like what's what's the mission? If I just talked about that, Father John, what's the story? What's the gospel? What are the what's the narrative pulling me into the life of discipleship that causes me to do all these other things and live differently? And it just so much of it can boil down to a lack of gutsy real leadership, especially in these difficult times. Now, I know so many so many um, in, in Catholic circles. There's just a ton of criticism of leadership right now, and. Um, you know, maybe you could argue some of that's warranted. Maybe you could argue some of it's not. To be sure, criticizing our leaders is not is not going to get us very far. N- nor um, is it uh, usually done charitably. Oh, oh gosh, that's a huge and, issue. And courage is rare because courage is hard. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I just to speak up on behalf of the leaders in the church, whether they're bishops or priests or or or, or, any or, or anybody. I mean, like, it's easy to be a bad parent. Yep. Right. I'm just going to leave my kid do whatever because it's hard to say the tough thing. Right. right. You guys know that. Absolutely. Right. So so just a very small number of loud, critical voices can cause those of us with a little bit of courage to kind of want to recluse. Right. And so to our leaders out there, we hear so often, we just want you to know, we hear so often the faithful lay people saying to us, Father, Bishop, we're so behind you. We just ask and pray that you please lead. We will follow if you would lead. Yeah. And so just know, be encouraged. Please be encouraged. So many people want to follow your leadership. Yep. You know, closer to home for me as a priest, anyway, and out of the ministry that we're blessed to be able to do. There's just a crisis in the in the priesthood, and the crisis is not the one that most people think about with the sexual abuse crisis. That's a that's a real thing, but it's so small. The crisis is parish life is broken for most guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're pouring into guys around the country who just live in the middle of trauma all day long, mm. and they never get a chance to breathe. Yeah. So, again, this is going to speak into why this is a great time for us to do something about all that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Right. You know, maybe at, as I'm listening to you guys talk, I'm thinking about it, the, I think at the root of all of this is just a lack of love or a failure to love well. Um, all too often, uh, many of us in the church just fail to speak, and I'm, I'm my hands raised, um, fail to speak in charity. And because we live behind our screens and we're on blogs and we're on social media and Facebook, um, we give ourselves a pass, I think, uh, to, to say absolutely anything and everything because it appears safe. But but words spoken are like trying to get feathers back from a feather pillow that, you know, that you're shaking in the wind. It's very hard to get that back. So, again, I just don't think that we love well. And um, I, I just want to give a plug for a, a wonderful book that a friend turned me on. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of um, Arthur C. Brooks. Many of you are probably very aware of, of of who this man is, but he wrote a great book called Love Your Enemies, How Decent People Can Save America from a Culture of Contempt. And uh, it's, it's biblical wisdom. It's, yeah, it's loving book. our enemies. You know, rising to the call, I mean, that missionary mandate, you know, love, you know, Love your neighbors, love God, love your neighbors. And it's a, it's a clear pathway to heal the division. He's speaking specifically in the country, but it applies to the church. Right. It applies to families. It applies to teams. It applies to all of us. And um, uh, love goes a long way yep. to heal and it's, uh, a lot of what we're suffering right now. It's certainly sorely lacking everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, so... It's, it's, it's lacking seemingly everywhere. Um, and this, and this, last, this last one, we just so often in the church sound like and look like the world. I mean, I, you know, let me be first in line to say I, I, I am very guilty of this at times. And, and so we, we totally understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic or a serious health crisis. We don't, we don't want to minimize that at all. 
Lots of people have been suffering. Lots of people have lost loved ones during this. But that said, um, you look at leadership in the church right now, we're spending so much time talking about masks and protocols and safety, which, again, important. But let's, let's leave that to the health officials, the public officials, to remind us of those things. And as the church, who's entrusted with proclaiming the gospel, let's, let's share that message, that message that is so unique to us, that differentia- differentiates us so much. We should be sharing the gospel loud, out front, out and center, because that's what people need right now. That's what's going to give them hope. And that's going to, that's going to, so a mask, you know, the safety protocols, that's going to help you um, during a pandemic, but it's not going to help you with eternal salvation. Yeah. And, and to be clear again, <laughs> right. So like, I know, I know guys are having to juggle this stuff as pastors, right? It's like, man, I got to find protocols to say to the people, like, how does he, how do you even come to communion? How do you sit in the pews? How do you come to church? Like we need to say those things. Yes. Totally get that. That's not what we're saying. Like ignore that by all means be safe. But again, like in the middle of all that's happening, like people are literally dying right now because of the despair, the anxiety, the fear, the hatred that's present in our country. And the remedy for that is not a mask or a vaccine. The remedy for that is the gospel because Mm -hmm. the remedy for that is Jesus. Jesus. And he's entrusted that message to To us. us. So do our bit to talk about yep. the one thing, but then hammer with charity, of course, the <laughs> gospel, right? Yeah, that's right. All right, guys. Well, so this this is all, you know, we, right, all, we, we really mean this well, but this all sounds like really lousy, terrible news. Everybody like someone's thinking of them listening <laughs> already. <laughs> someone's like, I watched the news at night. I didn't listen to this to watch the news. Is there anything positive? Yeah. To share here, here? So here's the positive stuff, right? COVID's given us all in the church a tremendous time to hit the reset button, right? So. For, for bishops and priests, this is a great time, e- even though a lot of guys, I know I just heard this expression the other day from Bishop Rickon in Green Bay, like they're experiencing, quote unquote, decision fatigue. That's great Because everything word. is like right in front of me right now. Like, I'm, is mass allowed? How many people? What do we do? I mean, like, all of a sudden, all these guys got tons of sacramental wine that they don't know what to do with because <laughs> no one's going to receive the precious blood for who knows how long, right? That said... And I, and I know, because I've sat in that chair, I know how crazy that is. At the same time, this is an opportunity for us to begin to pray really deeply about where we are and how we can respond to these and many other things that we've talked about, to think deeply about these things, to begin to really get creative, to start looking at our structures, to discuss with other priests and other bishops how to respond, um, to be bold. Uh, in what we come up with and try, huh? To, to be willing to get into what a friend of ours calls a little ep- apostolic messiness mm. in these days, huh? I mean, so that's priests and bishops. Mary, what can laymen and women do right now? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, learning the story. Um, in just simple terms, if you've encountered Jesus Christ, tell somebody why, you, why your life is different. What difference mm. does Jesus make in your life. Um, peop- I know a book about that that can help people. <laughs> it just happens to be. Oh, I wrote that Padre. book. <laughs> um, so again, you know, Father John's book that's coming out, when is it coming out? Is it the 23rd or is it? Sometime that? in September. Yeah. I just saw news soon. that it might come out earlier. Yeah. yeah. Coming to called? your mailbox soon. It's called Rescue, the Unexpected and Extraordinary News 
of the gospel. It's phenomenal. And Father John has written a couple other books, and he would say, you know, those books, you know, they were, you know, they were good. He goes, but this, he feels, is of the Lord. Like, this is from Mm -hmm. God. There's an anointing on this book. It is. So it's a great way to learn the story and share the story. And then just, it's, it's deep in my heart. You guys know this. We need to be in relationship with one another. We need to start getting intentional about creating communities. Right now, we need one another. Who's your four, five, six, you know? Mm. And, and get close to one another and support one another mm. and encourage one another. Yeah, spot on. I think, too, you know, one of the things we can do, we have a lot of restless energy right now about where we are as a country. We want to invite people again to check out the National Day of Prayer and Fasting that we're trying to promote, which is going to take place on September 24th. You can go to our website, acts29.org. That's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org. It'll take you to a, uh, a dedicated landing page, give you all sorts of information, but channel some of that anxiety into going to the Lord, asking the Lord in a particular way on that day to have mercy on our country and to bring healing to our hearts. Amen. Yeah, please, Lord. Uh, also, right now is a great time to support both in prayer and financially those apostolates that you think are making a real difference. Yeah, I mean, so selfish plug for us, right? I mean, like, um, thanks, leave it to the priest again. You know, you're, you're spot on. I know everybody's tight financially right now. Everybody's tight, right? Like, I'm looking at what I'm spending. I'm looking at where I'm giving. We just want to encourage you. We're not asking you to give to us, although that'd be fine. But um, be intentional about pouring into those ministries, whatever they are, that you think are making a serious difference in the world right now and that are giving hope. Um, we, we don't talk much about money. We, we do that by uh, by intent. Um, but every once in a while, it's good to do it. I mean, we are entirely donor-funded. Um, that's how we survive. And so if the Lord somehow moves you to be uh, a partner with us, whether that's in prayer or financially, we're deeply grateful. For those of you who do support us in either way, we can't thank you enough. We just want to tell you that we, we remember you daily in our prayers, and, uh, and we, we celebrate Mass for you um, every single week. We're so grateful for you. So in all this, you know, like, we just step back, we pause, we've seen, you know, a bunch of the bad stuff that's out there, hit the reset button. And so people, some people might be afraid. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, we're already where we are, you know, like we're at an, uh, an abysmal low, but here's the key, right? Here's the hopeful word, brothers and sisters. Like it doesn't have to be this way and it's not supposed to be this way. The the gospel of Jesus has not lost its potency or its power to change hearts. Mm. I mean, good grief. It got yours, Mary. It got yours, Nick. It got mine. And if God can get mine, he can get anybody's. You know, Jesus wants what we're talking about here more than we do. God loves this world and especially the men and women that he's made in his image and likeness, which is everybody. And for some unbeknownst reason, which I can't figure out, he makes broken, fragile, sinful people like me and like you to be his co-workers in liberating others. And the world right now is waiting for us to speak. The world's waiting for you to speak, to do what Mary just said, to tell others simply of the difference that Jesus has made in your life and to give them a reason for hope. So in the midst of all that's going on, do not be afraid. 
God is with you, and you were born for this. 